Welcome everyone to How to Father Podcasts. I'm your host, Troy Rivas. This is a podcast on the amateurness of being a dad. Thank you everyone for tuning into the last episode with Dr. Natasha Najjar. Uh, wonderful topics, amazing feedback from that episode. So once again, thank you. Uh, real quick, I'll give a quick shout out. Thank you to everyone who's been supporting the podcast from Shay808, who does the beats, uh, to my own Navigation Realty Group company, Navigation Realty Group. Thank you, everyone who's been a part of that and has uh, helped me continue my business by uh, trusting me to help them buy and sell properties here in New Mexico. Uh, Above Snakes, that men's boutique shop there in Old Town, a great spot if you want to uh, look fashionable and sustainable at the same time. Uh, Duke City Beaches is a local volleyball place that has been supporting us since day one and of course is allowing us to advertise there as well. So thank you guys so very much. Again, it's been a wonderful journey. We're at episode seven. It's been seven weeks of this. I still can't believe that. And on today's episode, I'm in a like a legit podcast room. Um, we have Mr. Alex Tenna, and he is the host of the Culture Punch podcast. And my setup is it works, but this is like professional stuff. And so I'm super stoked, super excited to be back with Alex. We've been on a few episodes of the Culture Punch podcast. And so I'm excited to have him on my little podcast, How to Father. So Alex, welcome. I'm excited, man. I'm honored. I really am. Thank you for having me on. No, you're you're multiple things. A, number one, a good father. Uh, Number two, uh, a coach. And that's why I wanted to have that. We could talk about facets of topics when it comes to fatherhood. But I think you as a coach and your sports background um, really could touch base with a lot of people, a lot of dads out there that have that expectation for their kids to be in sports, et cetera. So uh, tell us something about yourself, uh, where you're from, your fatherhood experience as a son, uh, how many kiddos you have, and all that fun stuff. All right. Well, originally, my family and I were from Mexico, migrated when I was a baby. Um, funny story, we actually migrated because uh, my biological father and my mom, they were having issues. And so they ended up splitting when I was very young. We came over and then we ended up meeting my stepdad and my stepdad has always been dad to me because okay. that's all I've ever known. Exactly. Know? So I was probably about, um, right about three and a half or so, right. Whenever I met my, whenever she met my stepdad and that relationship moved pretty fast. I mean, we moved in, uh, to a new apartment altogether. So it wasn't like we moved into his place. He ended up getting a new apartment where we all moved in and then they've been together ever since. So. To me, that's my father, you know. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so, um, and and he's a he's a traditional older Mexican man. You know, he wasn't very present as a as a father. His his um, ideology or his thoughts on what a father was, it, or is is that he needs to be a provider. So whatever that looks like, whether that looks like working 12, 14, 16 hours a day, exactly. He needs to be able to provide, and he needs to set us up for the future. So that's kind of where his mindset was. And, uh, um, that's kind of what I, what I saw growing up, but my mom did a really good job of balancing everything out. Cause even though she would work, you know, eight to 12 hours, she was still making meals at home. She was still, you know, um, not necessarily helping with my homework, but being very present while I'm doing homework. It exactly. just, you know, making me feel as though like I'm here, you know, even though she's like, I can't really help you cause I don't understand it. I'm here, you know, so for support. So she, she was really good about that, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my background. I I think I got like my father, my fathering experience. I tell Alyssa this all the time. I um, I believe in like no excuses. There's no excuse for anything, right? Everyone goes through something. Everyone's troubled with something. And in my instance, I saw my dad, and I realized that 
I realized that um, he did things this way, so then I'm going to be the polar opposite. Exactly. So even though it wasn't a good example, it was an example so I knew what I didn't want to do because I knew how I felt, you know what I mean? Exactly. So it wasn't like I never really felt loved growing up by my father, but it wasn't until I got older that I realized the dynamic and the relationship we had and why he was the way he was. Exactly. And then now we are just great, you know, and so he was one that wasn't really well with kids, but as we got older, again, we built a really, really good relationship. Well, so. we talked about that in the last episode about the blueprint of fathering, right? You, you, most dads are, were taught to be the provider and the provider and the protector and this and that. And, and there, there, there's a lot of, there's not much room for that nurturing part for a lot of dads because that's not what they knew. Like they, for, again, we talked about the last episode about they're either the soldier, they're the, the worker, the this, the that, and they came home and the mom was a nurturer, the one who took care of things. Even though, like you said, your mom still worked probably as much as your dad did, but she did everything else. Yeah. But it's good to see that. And maybe we could touch base on a future episode of how that dynamic changed because a lot of people hold resentment towards their dads when they get older because, oh, my dad was never there. I never felt loved, like you said, and stuff like that. And, uh, and now you guys have a great relationship. So that'll be cool to kind of, to touch into that, um, at some point down the road. But, um, that's something that I feel that moms really have my mom, of course, as a single mom really kind of held that role down as much as possible. But as dads, we have to find that balance too. And that changing the blueprint. And I think it is, I see you as a father, cause you work hard, 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 hard. And then now, but you still have time for your kids. You still are there for your kids. You're still down on your, like at their level type of thing. And, and it, I'm not sure how it's going to sound in post, but you guys can hear the kids running around. I mean, yeah, this is what this is, this right? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, my two boys are here. Your two boys are there and you get four boys together. It is a, yeah, ruckus, it's, a it's a riot. Um, so yeah, so, okay. You grew up, you moved, moved from Mexico up here to the United States to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, uh, tell us about your sports background. Cause I know you have a pretty extensive soccer background and uh, some pretty decent opportunities you had as a young, young lad and all that fun stuff. So, so tell us about that. Yeah, I, it's funny because I I didn't actually get into organized sports until I was a little older. So my mom, what she did is she used to clean houses, and uh, she she cleaned houses for this uh, this family. I don't know their name, but I know it was Phil was his name and David was his son, and they lived in Tanawan, and they just absolutely adored my mom and they loved me because I would always go over there whenever I was on break or or summer or whatever, and I would hang out there while she cleaned the house. And so David and I built a really good relationship a- as kids. We were friends. And so Phil was a was a great example, an early example too, because one thing that, uh, I hope this doesn't get too dark, but I just want to touch on no, it no, quick. This is a raw podcast. Okay, so one, one thing that I grew up seeing because my mom cleaned houses and she didn't speak English, right, very well, is um, a lot of racism yeah. towards my mom. And because I understood, you know, they're making comments and things as though I don't know what they're saying. And so at a, at a young age, I was put in a in a place where I had to make decisions where, Am I just going to allow this to go on or am I going to say something? And so that's kind of what I, what, what the norm was anytime we went into clean a house. So this was my shields, my guards were up. And so when I met David and Phil, they were just the complete opposite of what I had seen my mom exactly. go through. They were very loving. They, I, when I say they adored my mom, they adored my mom. Like they were so grateful, even though they paid her to clean their house exactly. and they paid her well, they were so grateful that she would be there to the point where, um, at the time my mom didn't drive. So she rode the bus they would go and pick us up from our house and then take us and then drop us off. But uh, so my early opportunities came through him. 
David really wanted us to play sports together. And so they signed me up for AYSO. Yep. We played at a park up there off of like Wyoming Indian School area. And uh, and then I also played, that's where I got my early exposure to baseball, T-ball. Yeah. And uh, it was because of David and Phil. They wanted me to, Phil wanted me to play this song because David, we were friends, you know? Exactly. So that was, that was cool. But after that, after like, you know, you get to a point where you, you can't, you can't do that forever. You can't allow someone to just, you know, take care of your kid or put you in sports forever. I didn't do organized sports for a while. Uh, it was more so just at the community center at recess. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that a lot of the talent that, that you, the, a lot of the talent in these sports are probably ones you don't see. Exactly. You know, so TikTok and all these things are really great. Cause now you get to see like the freestyle soccer players. Exactly. They're not going to make the pros, but they are some of the best dribblers and the females are Amazing. There's some of the best dribblers exactly. that I've ever seen. Exactly. And so it's uh it, it's it's interesting to that I've always felt like that. And so growing up, it was always all right, prove it now, prove it now. There was no scoreboard, there was no uh we're gonna, you know, we won the last one, this is a best out of three series. No, it was recess or is that the community center? Yeah. All right, don't matter what you did yesterday, what are you doing today? Exactly. You know what I mean? And so it was prove it now, prove it every day. And so uh I did that for years and uh, up until probably i was like eight maybe eight nine that's that's when i started getting in back into organized sports and then i started doing soccer and then i uh the team that we had down at uh we're the barrelas tigers we were the coach was undefeated he hadn't lost the game and so we had he had tied and all these things but i lost the game so there was two groups there was like first and second graders uh, even up to third graders, but if you're good enough, you can play up. And then there was fourth and fifth graders. Okay. So it was behind the beehivers were the younger team, and then you were you had just the older kids. I didn't play beehivers. I didn't play beehivers. Right. I played older, and uh, uh, when I got to that level, it was it was good to see that I was able to keep up with all the kids. And then shortly after that, because I was just always playing sports, I was always picking things up really quickly. I was able to uh, become one of the better players on the team. I was always, again, from that younger um, age where I had to make that decision. Do I stand up for my mom or do I not let it go? Exactly. Kind of build, like, leadership. Okay. And uh, and so I quickly became a captain. I was a co-captain with, with another friend of mine. And, uh, and that's kind of how I got introduced to team sports. And a lot of what I learned, so the reason why I coach now and the reason why the, the way I coach is because of that coach that I had. His name is Bobby. And... Almost every lesson I've learned from a coach has come from him. So even though I've had plenty of coaches growing up, all the way almost to the collegiate level, didn't matter. Everything that I learned came from Bobby. Okay. And everything that sticks with me came from Bobby. Oh, of course, there's things that I picked up along the way, but it was just kind of brushing up or retouching on something that Bobby had already taught us. And he, knowing where we grew up was a, was a gang area. It wasn't just about, I'm going to coach you guys on the field, but I'm going to teach you how to be young men outside. Yeah, coach. You know? And then that's an important thing, um, uh, going back on, and we'll touch on Coach Bobby and that that whole mindset, but the relationship with David and Phil, right, that you had growing up, would you say Phil showed you maybe another fatherly example for your life at a young age? Not saying he was your dad, but just that idea of a dad, like, oh, I want to do whatever I can for my son to achieve or to be this or to hang out with his buddies or whatever the case is. And so um, so do you feel that that Phil was, do you feel that Phil, do you feel that Phil was maybe a, 
a fatherhood example to you as well that might that might have given you some of those um, tidbits as you are a dad now? And then, of course, we'll talk about Coach Bobby and moving forward with that. But do you feel like that helped or had any part of your uh, your fatherhood experience as a son and now as a dad? Well, looking back on it, yeah, definitely. At the time, no. Yeah. Because, again, I was very guarded. And even yeah. though I looked at him like he's a great father for his son, right? It's so nice that this stranger is doing something nice for me. But when I was growing up, my fatherly example was my older brother. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, we're seven years apart. So by the time, you know, he was he he was grown, you know, I was by the time I, you know, you start remembering things when you were five years old. Exactly. So yeah. He's already 12 years old. So he's already teaching me how to navigate through the hood and, and kind of like, you know, he, there's things he taught me that I, I didn't I went kind of away from because I didn't believe in them. Right. But. For the most part, he was just kind of like a, a very a fatherly protector and like a brother for sure. But exactly. He gave me a lot of examples. So growing up, I looked at the things he did um, and and he was more of like my role model. So if there's like a, if you want to compare that to a father figure, because I didn't look at him like a brother. Like he was a brother, but he was also like a protector. So it was almost like he was between a father and a brother. I see. I see. And that's how I looked at him. So. It was it almost felt wrong to view anyone else as a father figure, uh, if it was outside of my stepdad or your brother or my brother. Yeah. So at the time, I saw him as a good dad for his son, yeah. but you know, for me, it was them. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, definitely now looking back on it, for sure. You know, th- there was something that as a kid I was probably like yearning for, and this man was able to step in at an early age, show me, hey, there's things that are different, and all these examples. I feel are, are, are put in our path for, for reasons, you know, cause again, growing up in the hood, growing up with someone who wasn't really present when I was younger, it could have been very easy for me to stray away exactly. from where I am now. So I think God put these people in my life in order for them to leave that imprint in mm-hmm. me. It's almost like uh, have you seen the movie Inside Out? Yeah, yeah. You know how that we, those we, core memories? We just watched it and I tell people, I was like, oh, what is the second, there needs to be a second one. Cause yeah. like, oh, what does this mean? And first of all, we, we talked about this before in the podcast, movies, any cartoon, if they say family or dad, I'm bawling. Like, it's just like, ever since I had kids, I'm the biggest, like, softy. And we were watching Inside Out, and I was like, I probably should step out because I know I'm going to start crying. Like, I know such a great movie. But, yeah, go back to your point. But, yeah, Inside Out, amazing movie. Um, one of my clients' uh, sons, um, they couldn't say my name, so they called me Joy. And then like nice. joy from inside out. I was like, I'll nice. take it. I'll take it. But yeah, go ahead. So I look at it like, like that from, from my life at least is I have these core memories and Phil is a part of that core memory. Yeah. You know, Phil and David are a part of that because I can, I can remember their layout of their house. Yeah. You know, remember I'm a kid, I'm five exactly. years old or something. So uh, this is T-ball. So I'm five. Right. I remember the layout of their house. I remember their backyard. I remember we used to play with Megazords cause he was in a Power Rangers. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I remember going to, uh, um, what was it? Grandma's restaurant member oh, and getting yeah, yeah. these, the, uh, the, the burritos, the, uh, smothered burritos, mm-hmm. you know, so they would do that. They so my mom would clean. They're like, is it okay if we take them here? Yeah. He was actually one of the people that taught me how to swim. He cool. would take me to sports and wellness up there. Uh, um, high say, point? yeah, high point. And, uh, no, no, not high point. Oh, um, yeah, the one on oh, uh, Riverside. Yeah. Riverside. No, 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 no. The one that's all the way up on Paseo and, uh, course or, um, or you, By Albuquerque Academy. Oh, yeah. So that's uh, San Antonio. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, Del Norte. Del Norte. Thank you. So he he would go there before sports and wellness, and he would, like, teach me how to swim and do all this and that. So they would, even while my mom was cleaning, 
after a while, I wasn't there. I was out with them. I mean, he took me to ride ATVs. Uh, you know, we did all these things because it, me and his son were friends. And yeah. so, um, oh. yeah, that's definitely a core memory for me. Like, he's a core figure in my life for sure. Well, and then that's a good example for what Phil is and his dad and his men out there, right? Like, there's a lot of uncles out there. There's a lot of uh, just guys who are just floating around the world with no kids because they either just haven't had the opportunity or don't want kids, and that's fine. But the male fatherly influence to kids I mean, you have your like your big brother, big sister organizations. You have your YMCA. You have coaching opportunities for kids that even at the time, because I had the same thing. I grew up without a dad, but I had father figures all around. But I was like, well, that's not my dad. That was the whole thing. Like, well, thank you, but you're not my dad type of thing. What was it? You're not my dad. Yeah, you're not my dad. I just sent that one yesterday, too. That's funny. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, and I didn't have, like, resentment against them. It's just, like, in the back of my mind, like, it was like, oh, well, this is, they're just being nice, or they're just being this, or... They're whatever. And I remember having friends growing up in Maryland and even here where since I was a friend to them, like the dad kind of like, oh, you're part of the family. You're part of this. You're part of that. And it was cool. And at the time, like you said, you were, were so guarded to like not really see it for what it is. But now as we grow older, the examples that they left on us makes us not just a better dad to our kids, but just a better man, a better human to kids around. And I tell men, especially men, especially young men, I was at the park. Uh, taking pictures of these uh, owls there on the west side, and we got to go one of these days. Um, and there was a kid, he had a been, he actually listens to the podcast. I think his name is, is either Giovanni, I forget his name. I'm, we're friends on Instagram, but his little girl had a been one or two. He's pushing her in the swing, and it's just him and his baby girl. And I'm watching this experience, and of course you could say, oh, this this kid, he's young, he's this, and he's probably, what? why is he in this situation? It doesn't matter. He's there with his kid. He's like present with his kid. And if you're present with any kid, if you're a, a dad or not, that right there, like you said, inside out becomes a core memory. And it's a core memory that is good because we have a lot of things in our life that really kind of pulls us from the opposite. You could have focused on the people who are racist towards you and your mom. And sure, you probably have that in there. And that we, I felt the racism before. I felt the racism within my own race because I'm half black, half Mexican. So I wasn't fully black and I wasn't fully Mexican. And so I always felt that that kind of tug of war. I said, well, I guess I'm just going to be me. And, um, and then I, uh, they used to call myself a blacksican and my grandpa said, mijo, the only Mexican in your family is your grandma. Did my ancestry, I'm more Mexican than anything else. So, um, so it's, it's funny when it like all comes around this full circle, but when it comes to the example of being a man and being a dad to everyone, like sure you have your responsibility to your kids, but if you're out and about at the park, I mean, we have our little dad park group and we're kind of like the dad park group and we are there for every kid if a kid's hurt the kid needs this kid needs that we're not like oh it's not my kid whatever we're like we want to make sure that we're there because that example holds so much weight you can see that in your life that you look back now the example of that phil gave you is like hey this is how you should be treated this is how you deserve to be treated and yeah you were like oh you're not my dad but at the same time he he, he you're one you're an auxiliary son to him you're his son's best friend you're you're this, and he wanted to do everything. And in his mind, he probably like, I'm not going to try to step in to be your dad, but I'm going to be the best father figure I can to show you that, hey, you could be above reproach when it comes to the, in a sense, the blueprint of fathering that has been happening for eons that we talked about last episode. So I think that's a really, really cool point to hear about Phil and, and of course, about your brother too, because that's a lot of things. A lot of people don't realize that older siblings play a pretty big role because they've been through it, right? And and you probably don't know all the ins and outs of what your brother went through at his age, but 
what he went through, he is showing you and, and, and letting you know, hey, okay, let's do this a little different or let's go this way instead of go that way type of thing. And they kind of go from there. Well, that's definitely a lot like uh, the, the part that no one ever really thinks about as a kid. Like I think about it now, but when I was a kid, I did not think about like, um, I, I did not think about like what the shoes he had to put on or the hats he had to wear at such a young age, mm-hmm. you know? You hear about like a lot of these celebrities who lose their childhood and what it does to them, right? Yeah. How nuts they go. I think there's a lot of stuff in the background still going on. It's not just that, right? That that messes them up. But you, you never you never hear about the unsung heroes, the ones that aren't famous, the ones that don't have a platform. So you never hear about that. And it wasn't until I got older that I started to realize like he was thrown in that role. And I, I'm sure he didn't want to be, but he here he sees his little brother looking for something like this. And he was thrown into that role for me, and he did it for me, you know. So it's, it was for love, and 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 I never looked back. Oh, I, I never looked at the time about what he had to go through. And now that I look back on it, you know, because he was there when, what, like, he was conscious. He knew it whenever my parents split. He knew he like he was there for the trauma of us leaving and all that exactly. stuff. So you had to go into a different country. Yeah, for him, that's probably scary because my mom says she was scared. She didn't speak the language, and here she's going to a new country, and she wants a, a fresh start, you know, the American dream, all that stuff. And, um, and, and you know, you have two boys that you got to look out for. So it's like my mom made mistakes along the way because she was always trying to do what she felt was better for us or what other people were telling her were better for us, you know, but she had to make those mistakes. In my brother's case, he had to see those mistakes. He had to see my mom stumble. He remembers those things. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him because— I can't even imagine the things that he had to deal with on top of being a strong figure for me. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, that's why for me, he was always a very a crucial role model for, like he was just a crucial person in my life for yeah. sure, you know? And then that's, and that's something that we have to really focus on is as, as men, I mean, I grew up, I was the eldest and sure all my siblings were pretty, we we're all pretty close in age, we're all a year apart. And and so we were all kind of squished together, but I still felt like I had that responsibility of, man, I should, um, I have to do this. And it wasn't really like my mom said, Troy, I need you to be this person or I need you to be, I never, but I just felt like I had to because I was the man in the sense of the house. And that's a, that, that's an attribute to your mom because of how your mom is raising you. The fact that she doesn't have to tell you that you already know, like we're a family and I'm sure your mom taught you that, right? Because if you didn't have like a father in your life, it's like, this is us. we got to take care of each other. You know, yeah. so for you to understand kind of like what your mom wants to, the morals your mom wants to instill, you guys are like, okay, as a brother, I think it might be my job to make sure that I'm helping when she's not around, making sure they stay the path or stay the course, you know? Exactly. But that, that so I, I give a lot of credit to that to your mom, you know, because she was able to instill that in you to like kind of, give you know, hand you the ball, run with it. Well, and that's something, I mean, we, we could we go down a rabbit hole with, with like, I felt like how my mom raised us, especially with Corey and I, she was very tough with us. Not as tough with the girls, and I understood why at the end. And of course, they're like you said, in the when you're in the middle of it, you're like, this is some malarkey, man. What what is going on here? Yeah, yeah. But then, but you you look back at it, and you're like, okay, she was trying to teach us examples, um, if it was indirect or directly, um, so we could be better down the road, just like your brother did, and it seemed just like Phil did as well. So let, let's pivot to your coach Bobby, um, and I think it's very important for coaches to realize that I mean, I've coached AAU basketball. I haven't coached my sons yet. Actually, I'm going to be an assistant coach on the soccer team. There you go. Coming up, so I'm, I'm excited there for this go. episode to get some pointers. But the idea of coaching the sport versus and versus coaching life, 
and how those kind of intertwine. Tell us about how Coach Bobby left that example on you in your life, not just as a coach now and as a father, and we'll talk about the dynamics between you coaching your sons. Well, he, his, like his philosophy was, was great, man, because it was like you give 110% on everything and anything you do. If you're going to commit to something, so that, that's something, if I commit to something, I got to do it. I committed to it. And that comes from him. If you're going to commit to something, you got to follow through. Yeah. Because it, as men, especially out here, you'd say all we have is our word. So what we promise, we have to follow through on. The minute that goes, that's our currency. The minute our word goes, then, then no one wants to, wants to you know, deal with us. And so at a young age, we, we, we were able to learn okay, if we're going to, if we're going to apply ourselves at something, we got to apply ourselves 110%. And the fact that we already had, like everyone had a leg up on us because of where we grew up, everyone, he, he, he brought these, he, he let us know how the world viewed us without po- crossing any political boundaries. You know what I mean? But he let them know like, Hey, people don't want you to succeed. People don't want you to do this. He's like, but it's up to you guys. Yeah. You guys need to do yeah. it. You guys can prove everyone wrong. You know, it's what you guys do here and how you act. So if you guys get mad and you want to get upset, you want to fight, they expect you to do that. Now, are we going to, are we going to give them that? Are you going to give them that? Or are you going to do something else? Are you going to prove that you're something more than just what they expect you to exactly. be? And so we're talking soccer here. Yeah. These are the lessons that we're learning on top of being a, an undefeated team, winning championships, you know? So those are things that I felt like he did very, very well. And that's why I say a lot of what he, if not everything he taught me stuck with me because that's exactly how I coach. He had to deal with um, two home kids or kids who didn't have fathers and stuff. Exactly. And he he was that role model for them, right? He was able to go and he was hard on us, but he, we always knew that it came from a place of love. Like he had a really, really well balance. Yeah. Like he would be hard on us, but then he would find a good, a good way to balance it out to let us know, hey, there's nothing personal. It's just all this. Yeah, but it's going to make you guys better, and here's why I'm doing it. Exactly. And so those are the things that I learned at a young age through Bobby, and uh, it was, I think that was a little hard on my on my brother because Bobby and him were essentially the same age. Okay. You know, and I was spending a lot more time with Bobby because at the time my brother was wanting to be with his friends, and uh, and here's a, a guy that's maybe a couple years older because I think my uh, my brother was still like in high school, and okay, and Bobby was uh, probably out of high school. But um, he he was I was spending all this time with him and I was learning all these lessons from him. So I think because every time I talked to him about Bobby, he didn't really want to hear it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if he, Bobby was also around the center, so he didn't he didn't mesh it with a lot of the people there because he was like the only soccer dude. Okay. There and everyone, but less was a basketball thing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So he didn't really mesh with uh, a lot of the other uh, older people, as I would notice whenever we do like open gym and stuff. He yep. never really go. He was a firefighter, so he was kind of busy with that stuff, but. Um, I could see it. So I don't know if, if, you know, my brother wasn't too keen on him because of that stuff. Cause my brother was a ba- in the basketball world, or maybe he just didn't like that. You know, I was learning a lot of lessons from this guy who's not that much older than him. That's not family, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it, it, it definitely was, was crucial. And I think that's kind of where I got my, my, uh, my taste for wanting to, um, wanting to coach because it's not just about coaching on the field, but, like given I live in the West Mesa district, I don't, Alyssa comes from the Cueva district. So she can tell me all about how they look at us over here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm an Albuquerque high guy. So for me, it's hard to, to, you know, be in West Mesa, but I'm a loyal person. And West Mesa gave me the opportunity. Exactly. I sit on the board with them. So I'm a board member there. Uh, uh, I'm able to coach, you know, I volunteer, all these other things. And I want to change the, the, um, 
the way that that they look at us. I want to change the perception of West Mesa, and that's always been my goal. So Alyssa letting me know how they look at us, what they expect of us, has helped me in coaching because the minute my kids start to show those kind of um, those kind of uh, you know actions or examples exactly. or whatever, I immediately check it because yeah. I'm like, no, 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 we're better than this. Exactly, we're better than no. When, who's to say? Well, who we are, what we aren't. Exactly. We determine what we are and what we aren't, not the outside world. Exactly. So let them talk whatever they want. And trust me, they will be thrown off when we show up completely different or or whatever than, than they expect us to be. Exactly. That immediately is going to throw that, them off. And so that's kind of what I teach my kids is, is, uh, is A, you give 110% always, you know, because you're not, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for the people around you. I tell them I want 12 leaders. I want one captain, two captains. I want 12 leaders out there. You guys hold each other accountable, exactly, because they'll play hard for each other. They might not play hard for me because I'm an, a father or an adult person, right? But they'll play hard for each other, and so you know, I, I try to make sure that they keep their head up. I don't like showboating. That's something I learned with Bobby. We don't showboat. Yeah. So anytime we scored a goal, we weren't there was no celebration. There's no Ronaldo sues or nothing like that. It was you score a goal. All right, cool. You run back to the half line, get ready for the next one. Yeah. Zero zero. And so even to this day, like baseball is a very showboaty thing. I don't I don't let my kids showboat. You don't let them uh, gritty on the home plate. <laughs> I mean, no, they score and 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 they're on their way back to the dugout, and I'm over here talking to my runners. They'll, they they'll squeeze one in, you know. But if I catch it, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, we don't do that. We do not do that because how to me it's going to be worse. And they again, you're giving them the satisfaction of showboating, getting a big head, and then what happens if they come back and they beat you? Now look how silly we look. Yeah. Right. So not only did we lose, but we embarrassed ourselves. Exactly. Well, there's there's a lot of uh, factions when it comes to because I remember again growing when I moved here. Our first I went to High, Highland High School, and then everyone was like, "Oh, you're this." I remember we did a cross country meet, and uh, and I remember being there, and the academy kids like, "Oh, you're gonna be watching our cars in ten years, stuff like nice. that." I'm like, "Oh no, okay." But um, but anyway, with that being said, it's thick on the races. <laughs> oh, exactly, and. And I remember, I mean, we won, I won state championships in basketball. I've done a lot of different things. But I remember just hearing that, like, I remember we walked in the gym one time, like, oh, they have four black guys. They're probably pretty good. And sure, we were pretty good, but it was that whole stigma, that whole this, that whole that. And it got to the point where you're like, you have that chip on your shoulder, but you don't, you, you don't show that chip. You can't show that chip. You have to be like, okay. I'm going to do everything I can in order to be better for ourselves. I look at Camden soccer team. They have a AYSL. They have a really good team, amazing coaches and everything. And the half in the end of half season, they lost three to two um, to this team. Half the players are out, but no excuses, right? They still should have had a chance to win. Uh, the the they had this kid that was like, "Are you are you really your <laughs> your age?" And he would kick because for whatever reason there was no direct kicks on free kicks. Unless it was to uh, to at the halfway line, to start middle of the game or after a goal, oh, you kick it on goal on a goal kick, and so yeah, I knew a kid that did that to you, and he just boom booted two of them, and you're just like, okay, they scored one true goal, and then the other two were just like the keeper wasn't expecting that, mm-hmm. but here, but that's here nor there. So we played them again, the last game of the season, and I remember the coach saying, go out there, just play your game, like the whole raw raw stuff. But I remember seeing these kids and they went together, they went together like we're they're not passing the halfway line. These like and there was a there was a point where I saw that they weren't being cocky, they were being confident, and they were saying, if we work together, this team is not going to pass the halfway line. The entire game they passed the halfway line halfway line twice. 
And one was just like kind of a ricochet ball. Then a kid got, was able to get around him. And the other one was, okay, let me just kick it ahead at, at the start of the game. And one of the kids ran to it, touched it. And these kids were so locked in. And like you said, it wasn't like one leader, let me lead. It was all of us together. Let's figure this out. And not even, and the coaches were sitting there like, what is, these kids are playing possessed because they came within each other and said, we're not going to allow this to happen. We're not going to allow this to happen again. And they felt that taste of loss because they were kids who were doing the celebrations, doing this and doing that. And I was, I was just paired on the sidelines. Like Camden scored his goal and he was pumped up. He wasn't doing anything crazy, but these kids were gritty and all kinds of stuff because they were winning like 15 to one, 15 to two. Then they finally lost. And I, I mean, I saw the, the, the feet in these kids' eyes and they're sad and they're upset. I'm like, everyone's like, keep your head up. You're okay. And then what they could have went in there is like, let's beat these, let's beat this team dance all over them. There was not once it was score a goal, go back. And this was not from the coaches that I saw. This was these kids got it, got together and said, this is what, how we're going to play. This is how it's going to happen. And it happened. And I'm, we're sitting there like, what is going on here? And these, and they were talking, yelling at each other. And even the ref, the ref said, Hey, cause this is a 10 U team. They said, I ref 14 U like club level. So the way these kids play together and like, you're probably your team. If they stick together, no one's going to beat them. When they turn middle school, high school, no one's going to beat this team. And of course, AYSO, they, there's other, well, this team's so good. They're beating everyone. You got to break them up. Like that's, that's unfair. And the coach is like, that's, un, that's not our problem that our district is, is full of talent. And, but they're trying to split up the team or whatnot. But w- with what you were saying is if you teach these kids to, be an example of who they are, the example of not just the crest in front of them, but the last name behind them, right? Then it shows them not just for soccer game or baseball game, or it shows them a life example of, hey, like you do your job and and you succeed, great. You fail, you congratulate the other team, you lick your wounds and then you be better the next time. But you're, you don't need to dance and prance and do all this all over everyone. I mean, look at every champion, right? They don't really, you don't see, like Travis Kelsey used to have the best end zone dances for tight ends. His two, two Super Bowls, three Super Bowl runs, you don't see him dancing. You don't see anyone doing all these funky stuff. And that's cool, like, sure. But it, it just shows that, like, there's a mental switch when you're like, I'm here to do play, play my best, to be my best, not just for myself, but for my teammates. And I think how you're coaching that to these kids at a young age is a pretty important thing. Well, I mean, yeah, again, they, they look at us in a certain light and I, I hate when people think that they can, they can put their finger on who you are, you know, just based off where you are raised. And so for me, I'm like, no, we're going to be, we're going to be us. We're going to be different. We're not going to be this. This is not who we are. This is what West Mesa in the past has been. This isn't who we are now, you know, so we're going to be us. We're going to have our own identity and that's how we're going to present ourselves. And, and you're right. I've had these boys for over a year and um, like what three seasons, four seasons, something like that, and it started off rough. We were the Rugrats, you know, yeah. in the in the in the division, and we were fortunate enough to place third in our first season, and then uh, we kept them together. We worked hard, and then we were the best team, we went undefeated, right? And then again, we were the best team the following season. We ended up losing the championship, but we were the best team, and that championship credit to the other uh, other team because they out they outplayed us. Yeah, it wasn't like a, oh man, we if we'd have done this. They outplayed us. Yeah. They did. It was a really good game. It was really close. We was a, we lost by one run, but um, 
yeah, they, they outplayed us. And, and it's one of those things where like you, not you, not only do you play to the level of your competition, but you also growing up with all these kids, I'm a firm believer as a board member that the better that the kids are in our league, the better that these kids are going to be when they hit all-stars exactly. and they play together. So I'm all for, you know, with these other coaches and these other kids. So I make friends with every other, co- like other kids yeah, on the shield. Yeah. Bobby, that was the one thing that I do differently than Bobby does, right? Because Bobby, <clears throat> there was coaches he couldn't stand. There was players he couldn't stand, and he just wanted us to beat him. And right, we had that. We're like, oh, we got to beat this team. This team's our rival. We got to beat him. But at the end of the day, like, I had kids on the field that I would talk to, I would play with, you know, whenever there was a time called or someone was hurt or something, things like that, because I also am a board member, so I'm trying to build a camaraderie between teams to show like, hey, yeah, we might all be, I mean, we might be in, uh, uh, against each other now, but we're all under the West Mesa banner. And at one point, we're gonna all going to play together. Exactly. You know, so let's make sure that we know how to do that and make sure that we don't create a, a dislike or a hate for one another. You know, this is a, a sport of fun. We're here to play fun. So we can do that and be friends. And it works out because like the team that we ended up losing to is now my son's football coach. And uh, and he plays with a couple of the kids that played yeah. on that on that team. So it's good to see that they still have that, right? Because if I was bitter or whatever, I couldn't allow him to coach my son. Oh, they beat us, right? Or uh, the, his son wouldn't like my kid because he's my kid, you know, but there's none of that from either of us. So it, it works out really good because now look at the opportunities that he's able to have. So I, I don't know, I, there's things that you take and there's things you don't, but like I mentioned earlier, I don't think there's any excuses. Um, we all have bad situations, but it's kind of like, do you, are you crying over spoiled milk or are you looking at the cup half empty as opposed to like half full? Like, what? Well, how are you looking at exactly. it? And, and I've always been like a half full guy. And, and, and my mom always says like, I don't know where you get your thinking from because you know, I, I, she knows that she didn't teach me that. My brother didn't teach me that. And those are things that just where I grew up and my life experiences that I learned, you know, I've had so many things that could turn me into this bitter or, um, angry person, but instead I chose to turn to God. And then, and I tell people the same thing. He's like, you guys think it's all me. It's God leading the way for exactly. me, you know, like God, lead, like that was, what do I have to worry about if I know that I have the best backing, you know what I mean? Like the best protector. What do I have to worry about? I have nothing to worry about. If I'm worried about it, it's silly because at the end of the day, it's out of my hands anyway. Exactly. So I've always had that mentality with everything that's happened in my life and everything. And so the the best thing that I've gotten, um, not just from like coaching kids or, or like being a father or anything, but having friends who are older than me to say, you know, you're my role model because of how you carry yourself, the things that you do. It's like, I know, and it, it's always the same thing. I know you're older than me, but you're my role model. And yeah. for me, that's just as great as having your son tell you that they're your role model, especially if they're close friends. Cause it's like, man, if I can impact this person's life and, and I always attribute it to my, to, to religion, I always attribute it to God. I'm like, the reason I am the way I am is because of God. Yeah. So anytime anyone tells me that, that gives me an opportunity to, um, almost in a way preach. It's like, well, you know, this is why I am the way I am. Like you can do this too. You know what I mean? Like have you, have you gone to church? Like, what's your background? So then I can start those conversations. I'm not like a Bible thumper who just pushes it down people's throats. Right. But if they open up the opportunity for discussion, uh, I'll discuss it with them, you know? And if they're like, no, no, I'm like, all right, no problem. Yeah. And so I have friends who are atheists and friends who are like, uh, into crystals and stuff like that. And we have great relationships because I'm not the type that's going to force it down your throat. But if you ask me questions, I'm going to answer you based off biblical knowledge. You know what I mean? So I, I believe that that we live in a world now where that can still exist, even though society wants us to, you know, be divided. Exactly. But we can definitely, depending on how you look at life, we can still coexist with one another out of, with, with love and still have completely different beliefs. You know what I mean? So 
Well, um, and, and, and what you were saying about the whole, like, your example as a coach, as a dad, as a man, many eyes are on it. Um, the idea of, oh, West Mesa, they're this, they're that, they're, they, they're, the West Mesa is a Western part of Albuquerque, uh, for people who don't know, um, Southwest ish, Southwest, Northwest, kind of on that, that cusp. Yeah. Um, and it's in a sense for the longest time, kind of a lower income, et cetera, part of town, but still great family values, uh, very rich Hispanic part of town. Um, in a lot of ways in the, in the Southwest part of West Mesa, um, cause there's a line that draws was, I don't know exactly where, cause Rio Grande, now Trisco Heritage kind of crept into that more of the Southwest area. Yeah, Rio Grande expanded more north. Yeah. Because South was taken by Trisco Heritage. Trisco. And That's it, why Rio Grande is now like a 4A score, yeah. 2A school because of that. Yeah. And so with, with, with that being said, people always like look at, oh, well, they're just this, like you said. But as a man, male example, and I tell my kids this, congratulate everyone. If Even if you lose, you you have to... You have to be above reproach. Of course, our emotions get the best of us when our sports teams win, lose, this, this, and that. Um, but you have to be better than reproach, not because of what people are looking at you, but because who you are and who you perceive yourself to be, people are looking at you in a way to say, oh, wow, like that's different. Like I want, like your mom said, where did you get this from? Well, your brother wasn't this way. Your stepdad wasn't this way. And it was God and the examples that he put in front of you, the, the, the fills of your life, the bobbies of your life that showed you these little tidbits of like how you should be above reproach when it comes to coaching, being a dad, being a man, uh, being, being just a friend, even in competition, right? Like you, you're, you're competing against other teams in within your district that, you know, okay, even if they were a team from La Cueva or Sandia high school, if I still have the same mentality, same attitude, my kids are watching this and they're seeing that, okay, sure. There might, there's rivalries, there's healthy rivalries. There's health things. There's teams that help you push to be better, but that's a, that's it. They're still humans. They're still kids. They're still sons. They're still daughters. They're still this. And so, by doing that and being that, being above reproach when it comes to your coaching style, uh, and and having that respect and that camaraderie when it comes to other teams. I mean, AAU because we basketball every sport parents are the worst parents are the absolute worst they think their kids are the Yapo has to sign because in Yapo we have to sign parent contracts yeah because it's so bad it's 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 horrible and I remember AAU I'm sitting there listening to these parents I'm like and I'm like guys stop it these are kids they're 12 and 13 and the other team it's not unfair for have a kid on the other team he's not that good let him shoot they're kids you're 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 doing you're trying to snatch their confidence by trying to help your kid out no let the competition play itself out. And then at the end of the day, shake hands, be respectful. So on that pivot, when it comes to you coach your sons at any sports? Yeah, I coach them uh, basketball. I'm going to uh, help out assistant coaching there. Um, coach them at baseball. I'm the head coach for baseball. And I got asked to help coach with uh, football, but I, I couldn't because we put them in club baseball, which I'm an assistant coach okay. for his club baseball team. So when it comes to coaching your sons versus the other players, do you feel that you have a different expectation? Like I know my kids like the back of my hand. So my expectations are a little bit higher for them to succeed higher. Um, my expectations for them to run faster or go further than the other kids. And then when it comes down to coaching your sons versus coaching everyone else, is it pretty, is it standard across the board? Or do you feel like you push your kids more just because you have a deeper knowledge of who? No, I, I push my kids more. And it's always going to be like that. Anyone that tells you they don't, I think, it, 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 and this could be, you know, it, every situation is going to be different. But any any parent that says that they don't push their kid 
more. They treat them just like everyone else. I would say that um, hasn't invested a lot of time in, in their kid or doesn't understand the effects of coaching. And the reason why I'll say that is because I I was, in every sport I played, I was the best. I, I wanted to be the best and that's what I strive for. I worked harder. So those stories you hear about Kobe getting in earlier and staying later, that was me. I was there before practice. I was there after practice. I even do it now to the point where Alyssa, she has to say, we got to go. I got to make dinner. After practice, we end at 7.30, you know, and, and uh, um, sometimes we end at 8. And there was one of the practices that we were practicing. I stayed an hour and a half later to work with my son. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I put in the work. But going back to it, the reason why I put more, it's heavier on my son and, and I put more weight on him is because, and, and this is this is just, I don't know what you want to call it, but just, just natural, uh, uh, it's just naturally going to happen if you coach your son. I said, look, man, I need you to be a leader out here. You need to be the leader of this team. And he's like, well, dad, I'm, I, I don't want to. And I was like, you got to understand something. You're my son. Automatically, you're thrusted into that role because they look at you, though, you're the coach's kid. So even if you're not the best, you have to be the most vocal and you have to be the one that leads this team. You're going to be the one that's going to reel this team in when they need to be reeled in. And you're, that's already, that, that way it's been put on you just because of who you are. I was like, I'm sorry, but you being my son, the rest of the kids are going to look at you, look to you for guidance. That's just the way it is. And so I'm harder on him. I'm harder on both of them because I know that kids are looking at them in that light. And I can hear the kids talking. Oh, Noah's the best at this. Noah's the best at that. Oh, King can hit this. He's the best at this. And so I don't care about if they're the best or they do that. I don't care about that. What I care about is effort yeah. and how you present yourself. And the example you are for a team, I'm a, I'm a team sports player. So how are you uh, uh, helping out the team? Don't you hinder the team? You know what I mean? Help the team. So at the same time, my son also feels this is the dynamic of being a coach and a father. My son also feels that he can throw a tantrum because I'm his dad. So at that point is when he looks at me as a dad, he throws a tantrum. And I immediately stop it. Immediately. Because again, they're looking to you to lead. If you're going to drop your shoulders and your body language is going to change, everyone's body language is going to change. Yeah. But if you're locked in, geared in the whole time, regardless of what I'm saying, they're going to do that because you're the example. And then you will, you will, um, uh, like Camden was really close to him. Then Camden will do it. And then Desmond will do it. And then, and then Tino will do it because they all look to players for these examples. And so it, I, I'm definitely harder on him simply because I know that they're looking to him for guidance and if he acts a certain way they feel they can act that way so if he's showboating they feel they can showboat so i am harder on him when it comes well to that. and that makes sense because you if they're looking at like oh well if he could get away with it then i can too or if they look at him like wow he's he's being he's going above and beyond he's pushing harder he's swinging the bat better he's looking listening better then they look at you because kids they follow examples right they follow the they, they don't follow what we say, but they follow what they see. That's just kids across the board. And so with that being said, they look at they look at that example and be like, okay, all right, I could see King or I could see Noah listening to coach because you're so coach, but they know in the back of their head that's their dad. And they, but they say if you, King or Noah throws a fit and you give in to that, then they realize, oh, well, there's no authority there. There's really like, what, why, why do I have to? Yeah. And it's no one gets special treatment. No, that's no. Time. no one gets special you, you hear too many stories of like, oh, he's on the all-star team because his dad is the coach. Uh-uh. There's no special treatment on my team. Like, I'm going to treat them the way I'm going to I'm treat my kids the way I treat them in the sense of like, if I don't allow 
you to do it. I'm not going to allow my son to do it. Exactly. Better believe that that's not the case. I'm not that kind of coach. So that that was really big for me. It's like I'm not. And the other thing, the reason why I work so hard on my son is because you know how parents are. Sometimes they're like, oh, you know what? That's a weird method. I've never seen that before. Does this guy even know how to coach? Does this guy even know? And I'm I'm a winner, so I know how to win. And so my thing was, if I can show them that me working with my son, how good my son is based on him listening to the things that I'm teaching him, yeah. then they're going to feel better about, hey, well, look at his son. You know, all right, you know, if he wants to change my son's swing or he wants to change the way my son throws the ball or the way he's fielding, I trust him because look at his son. His son's exactly. a stud. And for them, it's like, oh, but I'm comfortable doing this. And I'm like, okay, do we want to learn how to do something the wrong way? Or do we want to learn how to, that will give you like a 20 to 30% chance to talk about fielding? Do you want to do you want to be able to do that? That is maybe going to be a 20, 30% chance you stop the ball. You're doing it the wrong way. Or do you want to learn to do it the right way? You might stumble at first, but guess what? You're going to have like an 80, 90% chance of making sure that you make that, make that stop exactly. because you're doing it the right way. We're working on proper footwork. We're working on how to properly move your body to get the throw, to get the out, to get the double, whatever it is. And so those are the things that I teach my kids. It's like, you can do it wrong. I'm not a coach that's like, oh, they're already athletic. They're good. I'm just going to let them in. I'm going to work with these kids. No, no, no. We're all doing the same drills. And if you're not doing it right, we're doing push-ups. we're doing planks, we're running because you're doing it wrong. And I, I don't want you to learn how to do it the wrong way. Exactly. This is the age where you have to learn how to do things the right way. So again, me as a team player, uh, as, a, as a board member, I want to make sure that let's say I wanted to stay in the division I want, and my kids were going to move up. Whoever's coaching them at a higher level, I want them to not have to worry about, dang, what did they do down there? These kids don't have any fundamentals. Like exactly. I should be working on this. The season's approaching, but yet I'm over here having to work on fundamentals because they weren't taught this at a younger age. So I don't, I don't, I, I believe that there's stages in how you coach yeah. and these fundamentals should be taught young. And so I'm big on fundamentals because fundamentals will get you like 75% of the way there. And then you start working on other things that can get you over. And I feel like my methods work because again, we were at an undefeated season. Yeah. We won championship. You know, you see what I'm saying? So the, and the kids really gravitated towards me. Even the parents at the end were like, are you coaching? We'll follow you wherever you go. So when I did club, I told some parents like, we'll follow you. And they came, you know? So it's like, that makes me feel good as a coach. Cause that makes them feel like, or makes me feel as though they trust me with their kids. And I love their kids. Like they're my own. When they're out there, they're my responsibility. Exactly. So when they throw a fit, I, I take time to what's going on, what's going on outside. You know, I'm not just about like, Hey, you got to get it together. It's like, Hey, what's going on? You seem distracted. You know what, what's going on? Do you want to sit down for a minute? Like, talk to me about it. It's okay. You know, it's all right. And then the team's like, hey, let's, let's pump them up. And then they start getting them going. Yeah. And then they see, okay, you know, this is a safe space for me. You know, I have my coach has my back. My teammates have my back. So they, whatever it is, I don't tell them, leave it at the door. I'll coach them that way. And then when they see the camaraderie, then they decide I'm going to leave it at the door. Well, because I want to be there for my teammates. I want to be there for my coach. They're great, you know? Exactly. And we talked about it in episode three with my buddy Ted about instead of stopping, like, hey, suck it up or... Don't be sad. Don't be this. Don't be that. It's like, okay, we're, 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 let's find the root of this. Let's find the root. And that's an important thing as a male, as a dad, as a coach to kind of backtrack and help them work through whatever they need to work through. And then having a team, of course, rally about it. And that's a beautiful thing about team sports. I mean, I played so many team sports and it's when one person is down, sure. Like I get frustrated with myself and they're like, oh, Troy's mad. Like, oh, I'm upset with myself because I should, knew I should have been better. I'm not mad at you or this is not whatever the case is, but I'm upset with myself. But when you see like a kid that's down and out and instead of saying, hey, you're fine, get out there, do what you're supposed to do. Like, hey, what's going on? Like, where, 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 where did this start? Where, like, is it, was it something happened at school or something happened on the way here? Well, how can we help you out? And I think that's an important thing that 
with fathering and coaching kind of coexists in a lot of ways. So the, of, a coach is a father. Uh, a coach is a mother if it's if it's a female coach in a lot of aspects because we're we're not just telling these kids, hey, here's the fundamentals, which is important. Here's this. We're giving them so many different lessons on how to work as a team. So many different lessons on how to be better and 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 push yourself to a, a level that you never thought you could even get to. And when you hit those those peaks, to be excited. And when you hit those valleys, sometimes to be like, okay, how can we be better? And so when it comes to your coaching experience, do you feel like it's uh, it's impacted your relationship with your sons outside of coaching in a positive way? Has it, you think it's changed at all? Just your your relationship, just you solely with your boys outside of coaching, just your day to day life. Uh, it's got its positive and its negatives. Like um, anytime I want to work with Noah after coaching him for over a year, uh, anytime I want to work with Noah outside of the fields, it's just here at the house. He's like, dad, we're not practicing. We're just hanging out. And so he looks at me as like, oh, is my coach telling me to practice? And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to do it as your coach. I'm trying to do it as your dad. Yeah. Like as your father, I'm trying to tell you, hey, we got to work on these things because right, like right now, right, I was able to get him on a club team, a club traveling baseball team. He's playing, uh, he just turned seven and he's playing um, U10. Yeah. So he's yeah. playing up and he made the team. Not only did he make the team, he's their starting second baseman. Oh, wow. You see what I'm saying? So. For me, it's like, dude, we're at a point now where he doesn't have to play everyone. Now everyone play. You can get relegated to a different position. Exactly. I think you're a natural second baseman for sure. So if you don't work at it, you're gonna get someone is gonna someone's always gonna be behind you trying to take your spot. And so he's working closely with another kid. And as a coach on that team, I'm working closely with that other kid. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So not only is is he so not only is 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 Noah getting the coaching from the head coach, his name's Gabe, uh, assistant coach Luis, and myself. He's also getting the the uh, Nico, which is the kid in the back. He's also getting the coaching from them, and and so uh, um, he he has to understand like there's people that are gonna be coming from your spot for your spot, man. Yeah, you're already playing up. That's amazing. But if you don't work at it, it can happen. And so when I tell him, hey, we got to work at this. Oh, we're not practicing. Like you're like I'm like no no no. As your father, I am concerned what it will do to your mental. If you get re, uh, replaced because you weren't putting in the work. Exactly. And because we're in football, basketball, and baseball right now all at once, and we go seven days a week. So because we do that, I have to try to find a balance. So like I was telling you, Tuesdays and Sundays, we do baseball. He has practice Thursday, but he misses Thursday. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he does, uh, um, and even Saturday, he does football. And then on Saturdays, we have basketball games. So after football practice, we rush over to a basketball game. See, so I'm trying to find the balance because I don't want him to get replaced. He's a starting running back for his football team. Yeah. This is the same thing. We had to wave him. The coach liked him. He's like, dude, he's athletic. Can he come play? So he's playing a year up. He's playing U8. He's just turned seven uh, or U9, whatever it is. But um, I don't want him to lose his spot there. Yeah. So for me, it's like I'm trying to balance, but I'm also seeing what he's doing in practice because I'm at every single practice. So I'm seeing what he's doing in practice. So when we come home, I'm like, we need to work at this. We need to work at this. Exactly. But so th there's the positives as a as a coach is that um he does listen to me very well we're on the field but sometimes when we're at home if he's just trying to chill and i try to work with him he's like dad we're not we're not we're not coaching yes he's like he's like we're not we're not coaching dad we're not coaching we're at home we're at home and i'm like dude we're always working you know we're always exactly working. exactly and he has that mentality because he will come home and he'll want to he'll want to play he'll want to do something like that like he tells king all the time king will be playing video games or watching his tablet. He's like, King, 
you keep playing video games and you keep uh, sitting inside, you're gonna get fat. You got to go outside and you got to play sports is what he tells him. And so he's always like, dad, can we, can you, we practice pitching? Now he does it. Can we practice pitching? Can you be my catcher? I'm like, sure. I was like, you know, I got you a net though, right? Like you can throw it in the net. Like, yeah. but he's like, no, no, I want you. So that's the positive is that he's, he, he, I'm so, I'm so involved that he can't even imagine doing this practice without me. Yeah. So for me, that's a blessing. Granted, I'm tired, right? I'm, I'm trying to balance out medications and stuff. I get exhausted, but yeah. I'm not going to say no. So this is like, dude, you got to find a balance because I see you're, 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 you're pushing it, man. You're exhausted. You do all these things. But I'm like, it, I saw, have you ever seen the movie Blended? Yeah. So th they said something that stuck with me and has always stuck with me. Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler said that you got to show up for your kids 100% of the time, all the time. And uh, I've always, I've always believed that. Like you have to 100% all the time because if I'm coaching kids, not just my son, but if I'm coaching kids that anytime you commit to something or you step on this field or whatever, you're giving 110% and then me as a father, I'm not doing that, there's a problem there. Exactly. Kobe also said the same thing. Kobe's also, man, Kobe's so influential, rest in peace. But um, he said that he would, if he's willing to go out there, and this is me too, I'm willing to go out there and play for my team because I still play soccer and stuff, basketball on a rolled ankle and I'm willing to tape mm -hmm. tape the crap out of it just to play for my team, if I'm willing to give that effort, I got to give that effort at home. Exactly. So it's like, if you're willing to have the flu and play, then when you come home, there's no excuse to rest because you're still doing the job at home. Yes. So if you're going to play, you're going to also do your job at home, regardless of what the situation is. So that's kind of like my mentality. It's like, regardless of how tired I am, regardless of how my body's feeling, if my son is trying to work, who yeah. am I to deny him? Because that's all I'm preaching to him is, hey, we got to work. We got to work. So if he's like, hey, let's go work. All right, man, let's go work, you know? So, And, and that's something very important as we, we get close to wrapping this up is the idea of it's not easy being a parent. It's not easy being a coach. It's not easy being a coach and a parent at the same time. And at the end of the day, it's very important. And kids need guidance. They need stern direction. They need, of course, the way you're doing it, it's it's, there's empathy behind it too. It's okay. What's going on? What's the matter? What? Why are you feeling this way? But at the same time, it's like, okay. Let's let's work through it. Not saying get over it. Not saying you're fine. You're okay. You're let's work through this, and then let's be better than reproach. Well, we have we have to set examples. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to make on this point before we close. Is I my team had a lot of kids that were in split homes, yeah. and it, it, for the people listening, it affects the kids. It does. It really does. But when they have a, a when they feel they have a safe space or a stable environment or they can build a camaraderie with the team and it starts the ball rolls downhill, right? It starts from the coaches and I preach that. It it makes it easier for them to, like I said, leave it at the door and forget about their problems for that two hours. I know yes, I practice for two hours. I know people are like, Oh, they're young. I don't care. I practice two hours. That's what we do. Um, but for me, I was a like Bobby, I was father figures to a lot of these kids. Yeah. They didn't. I can. I can see it. I can see it because they'll go out of their way. Uh, I, by Coach Alex, give me hugs and stuff like that because I'm not like I'm not gonna like hug my kids or anything, right? But they'll come give me hugs and they want to make it a point to get me gifts and do this and everything's Coach Alex this and Coach Alex that. And uh, hey, Coach Alex, can we play with your son? Can I come to your house? Like those kind of things. And I feel it's because of of how I am and I am because of what, like I said, because of Bobby. So. When I look at these kids and they come from these split homes, if they're struggling at home, you don't we don't understand what their home life is like. So you have to be a, a good example there and you have to make them feel safe. That is our exactly. job as coaches, not only to coach them, but we have to make them feel safe and we have to make them feel like, okay, you know, I, I want to be here. 
a lot of times they're being forced into being there. And I'm like, I, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be, right? But I'm going to do everything I can to make you want to be here. Exactly. And so I'm going to make this fun. We're going to win, but I'm going to make this fun. But I'm also, there's a fine line. There's a balance. Like, okay, hey, it's not fun today because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. If we start doing what we're supposed to do, it's going to be funny. And then it'll it'll come. But again, it's those lessons where you have to be hard on them at times. And then you, you, you explain to them why, or then they'll understand why. Same thing like a father. So for a lot of these kids, I see them outside uh, and they, they still, hey, Coach Alex, even their little brothers, hey, Coach Alex. And I can see what I am to these kids. Mm-hmm. Like there was one example where at this football practice, the one of my kids, he's on the football team as well. His uh, dad was there. And um, and for whatever reason, his dad wasn't throwing with him. So he's like, Coach Alex, will you, will you play catch with me? Absolutely. And so I was teaching him with his dad standing 10 feet away. I was teaching his kid how to catch the ball. He's five years old. And again, he was like, did you teach King? I'm like, yeah, through King, King's four, he can catch. catch it, yeah, he's yeah. like, can you teach me? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I'm teaching him how to catch the ball and I'm playing catch. And all the while he's like, dad, dad, look, I can catch the ball now. Dad, look, dad, dad, dad. And his dad didn't want to look. His dad would like look and then look away. No, dad, you're not looking. Dad, you're not looking. And I felt almost uncomfortable because I'm like, these shouldn't be the lessons that I'm teaching. Exactly. I shouldn't be doing this. Like, I can't even imagine how he feels. He's probably upset at me right now. And I'm not even trying to overstep. But I love kids so much. And because I know you from baseball. You're my kid's little brother, and yeah. you're always there. We always get you snacks and stuff, right? We call you the Bat Boy. All these things. Yeah, if you need help, buddy, I'm gonna help you. Well, you know that that shows that shows the very important role of a dad and as a man, right? His he might have his dad. You had your dad. You had your stepdad. You had your brother and stuff. But you had examples that sure weren't the dad, but those core memories happened. He caught the ball for the first time. And then when he gets older to play baseball, he's going to remember that. And so as males, as especially as fathers and father figures, we have to be father figures across the board. We can't, we, we, we can't walk around life like, oh, well, that's not my kid or, oh, well, that's not that. And then on the flip side, when it's our own kids, we have to meet them where they are, where they're excited. There's moments. I mean, I played soccer. Raul, uh, you met Raul, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you met Raul. Great guy. We play soccer with the kids and uh, these kids are running around and we're like, man, we're going to beat these kids at soccer. And then afterwards, I'm like, my my back hurts. My knees. My knee hurts because, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I, I stubbed my thing. I broke a toe uh, by kicking a root because the ball kicked up and I went to kick the ball and it, like, skipped up and I hit the It was a nightmare. Yeah, my toe's and, still broken. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it's these little things that you look back like, sure, I could have just sat back on my phone or just talked or did whatever. But, like, these are the moments where I want to be a part of. There's a kid named Alexander that the boys school and um and he's really he's 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 a Buffalo Bills fan and how you would know it is cuz he wears Buffalo Bills stuff every day. This kid be wearing a Buffalo Bills scarf throughout the uh throughout the summertime. Like he just he's a Bills and he he knows mafia. Oh, Bills Mafia. Throw him through a That's table. Yeah. He knows his sports through and through and he has a wonderful dad. His dad is an amazing man. And but his mom picks him up from school, and his mom's always out there throwing a football and stuff like that. But then the boys want to throw football, so then it's myself or Ted or Raul or one of the other dads there. We're always like, all right, let's go play catch. And so we're Carlos. We're throwing a football, playing catch with not just our kids, but these other kids. And it's not saying like, oh, look at me, I'm that. No, it's showing them an example of what a man and what a father figure should be like. Not taken away from what their dads are, but saying like, hey, no, we're all in this together. Yeah. And if, if the blueprint of fathering continues to change of we are all in this together as coaches, as dads, et cetera, 
this world will become a better place. And for these young little boys, they will grow up to say, you know what? It's okay if I'm different. It's okay if I stop and and oh, I'm tired. I'm I'm not feeling well. I'm this, I'm that. You know what? It's okay if I push through it because it just shows a lesson to me, but it shows a lesson to them. And then and that to me is one of the most important things of being a father. And then when you throw sports, because we all, the majority of us love our sports. We all want our kids to be the number one this, number one that, number one this. But at the same time, they would never be that if it wasn't for us. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and, and so we could, we could, I could look at Canada being as athletic as all get out. He's very fast. He's great, very good control in the soccer ball, all this other stuff. And he's learning, learning, learning. But if I'm sitting on the sidelines like, oh yeah, you're doing good, buddy. And I'm actually out there with them or helping them out at the best of my ability then he will never really be pushed to be better mm. or never get to a point because as dads, we have to be hands-on. As coaches, we have to be hands-on. And it makes it hard when you're a dad, like in football, when I see him doing something, I so badly want to say something, but I ask my parents not to intervene while I'm coaching them yeah. because it affects with the kid. It affects the kid. So I have to remind myself, hey, if I'm asking this of my parents, I can't be that parent, and I'm not. So I do practice what I preach. It's tough. In the it's tough. It, it is because it's I'm so like, hard. But then again, I'm like, if if I want to coach, volunteer, volunteer, right? Yeah. So the, and and I've decided not to. So I'm like, okay, no problem. But it's fine because I have all these other examples. Yeah. And so my thing is, I take mental notes, and I'm like, all right, we'll work on that at home. We'll work on that at home. And and again, I think my son gets his drive from me because again, I always stayed late and did all these things. To where Lisa's like, dude, we got to go, and it's not necessarily him. Like he loves to be there, but he it's not it's me. I'm like, dude, we got let's you want to stay later. He's like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, sweet. So he's like my little buddy. We're bad examples when it comes to that. Because all I have to do is like give him a look, and he's like, "Yeah,", yeah. and I'm like, "All right, we're staying late." And it's not until mom calls and say, "Where are you guys? He's exactly. got school tomorrow." Exactly. Like there was one instance where I told you that hour and a half, and I told him, I said, "Hey," he's like, "His mom mad?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Don't worry." I was like, "She's mad at me." I was like, "I'm gonna tell you something right now. I will bite the bullet, and I will take responsibility any day of the week if it means putting in the extra work with you. Trust me. I said it'll pay off. And just to, to make one more point is, there are no bad kids. For the people that that think, oh, he's a bad kid, there's no, they're a product of their environment. There's no bad kids. Exactly. So when my kids, we had some kids that you can call bad kids, but it was because you never understand what they're going through. Some of them were just going through splits, and the split home was fresh to them. And again, providing that safe space and then bringing the camaraderie and all that with the teammates, they start to improve. But it's all at a young age; their minds are sponges. So I believe that there are no bad kids. It's it's a product of their environment. So depending on the things that they're going on in their life. If I can make an impact on one of those kids in a positive way, or even for two hours, if I can make him forget about the problems that are waiting for him at home, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, you know? And so that that's kind of like where I take my pride. It's not in how good my kids play. It's in the the the, the things that I see them doing, you know, the, the examples that I see them doing. Like my one of my proudest moments was when Noah took a shot of, of baseball to the face, cried, he was bleeding. He went out on the sideline. And then when we got the three outs, he was up at bat. He was still on the sideline. I didn't think he was going to come back. He came back. I was like, are you okay? He's like, it's my turn to hit. I don't want to let my teammates down. You see what I'm saying? So he came back in injured to get a hit, got a triple, goes back, he scores on the next one because our next hitter comes up and, and, and scores him. And then he goes back and sitting down and then he's like working it. But then he goes back in the game on defense. So that was him. That wasn't me. Yeah. Th- those for me as a father, as a coach, are more of my prouder moments. When a kid comes back from something, even as a coach, when it's not my kid, that is where I know I'm doing my job because I'm like, you know what? When I first started with him, he would have been out of the game. There, there have been no bringing him back. But now that he comes back from this, I'm like, he's, I'm making an impact. We can see that they're starting to understand, you know? 
And so that's where I kind of get my pride from. Like my, my, my son the other day was playing basketball against a taller kid, great athlete. And uh, this kid probably averaged like 24 points a game, right? Held him to two points to the point where he was so upset that Noah was smothering him on defense because I teach defense smothering yeah. him that the kid ended up trying to call himself out. His dad was a coach and said, no, no, no. He walked over to his mom on the sideline and they had left the gym. I told this, I was like, that's another one of my proud moments. I was like, my son kept his head in it, didn't fight with him, wasn't trash talking, just played defense and ran a kid out of the gym because, and that kid wasn't mentally strong because speaking to other parents who have played with this kid, like, oh no, they, they encourage him to be like, if you want to win, you got to get me the ball. We're only good because of me. So they're encouraging him to be that way. And he can't handle, he's not mentally tough to handle when he's not, when they're not winning. Exactly. And so proud moments like that. Well, well, it's, it's, it's what it comes down to when it comes out of coaching in sports, there's a lot of people who are very anti-sports, the anti, the aspect of sports, et cetera, but they don't realize the, 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 the life lessons that are learned when you're playing sports, when you, the, 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 the whole idea of sportsmanship to me, really, there's nothing else beyond sportsmanship. When you, when, when another player is hurt or something happens and the other team is the first one to rally to them to make sure it's okay. Sure. There's competitiveness. Everyone's being competitive. Everyone wants to win. But at the end of the day, if you can't uplift the next person, then, then really you're not really playing it right. Or if you feel like, well, I'm better than all these other kids, so I could do whatever I want, then you're not playing it right. And it seems like you're teaching your kids not just your sons, but the kids on your team, because, and then there's an empathetic um, touch to it with like a lot of these kids, like you said, kids aren't bad kids. They just, they just know what they know. And if we could be as coaches, if we could be as just a male figure around these kids, just a little bit of good. And then ask you them that question, like, Hey, how can I help you? Or how can I be an assistance? Or how can we help you get through this? So you can be better. So you can be ready. So you can be prepared. Cause as iron sharpens iron, we have to do that. We have to prepare each other. And as dads, we have to prepare each other, our kids, not just for the next baseball game, but for life in general, because life isn't easy. And so I, I feel like that's where one of the main reasons why I wanted this topic to be touched on is the idea of coaching and fathering it goes hand in hand. And the idea of coaching your own sons and knowing like that idea of like people, like you said, well, I just want to treat them all equally. You, you can't. You can't. I know with my kids. The reason I was like the first couple of games with Canada soccer team, I was like, come on, Canada, you could do it. You could do it. And I realized, you know what? I'm a parent. I need to shut up. And he sit back and like, let this happen. I will just cheer them on. Like, let's go. Good job, guys. And so my cheering was more of what they just did instead of what they should do. Right, right. And so then, so now I'm volunteer. Now I'm going to be an assistant coach this upcoming season. But with that being said, it's, we have to realize as fathers, we have to be an example to these kids because we don't know what these kids are going through. And coaching is a perfect avenue, not just to give them like, hey, you could be the best third baseman or Noah's going to be a second baseman for the Baltimore Orioles here in 15 mm -hmm. years. Uh, the first place Orioles. Better um, than the freaking Yankees, yeah. man. We didn't even uh, do anything in the trade. You didn't do well. Gosh, we no lost. other the trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm not going to gloat over that at all. I'm not wearing an Orioles jersey right now. Uh, I promise. Yeah, it was the first um, thing I noticed. I said, this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Wrapping it all up, when it comes down to the idea of fathering, we don't really, we're still learning. We're still figuring this out as we go. The idea of coaching, we're still learning. We're still figuring this out. But the best thing, you don't be the dad on the sidelines watching your son catch, learn how to catch the ball. Be the dad that teaches him how to catch. As far as we have to be present with our kids, if it's coaching, if it's in life, if it's just whatever. 
we can't let things go by because they're going to learn, hopefully, those uh, those skills or those life lessons from someone else, hopefully. Because sadly, a lot of kids don't. A lot of kids don't get that opportunity. Yeah. So if you're a dad, if you're like, well, I'm, my kid knows how to play catch, but I don't, or I'm not a sports person, or I'm not a music person, or I'm not an artist. Learn. Learn. Yeah. It's it's. You want to be the role model? Learn. Learn. And you will continue to be the role model. Exactly. Because guess what? Oh, man, I didn't know how to do it. You didn't know how to do it, but we're learning together. The it, the message that you send out is just so great. Like you, you touched on something that was uh, – was 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 really great as a coach what i get to do is i've seen other coaches how hard they are on their sons and i'll see them crying after a game or something and i feel comfortable enough to go up to them and i'm like hey don't do that like be proud of the effort that you put in it's okay if another team is better than you on, yeah, on a certain yeah. day we're all going to have bad days whatever the way however you're feeling but it's not about what you just did or it's over with what are you gonna do next time exactly what are you gonna do to change this outcome like, i had a kid cry and i was like and i told i tell my team the same thing so i told him i said do not give my players the satisfaction of seeing you cry out on this field. That fuels them. Do yeah. not let them yeah. see you cry. Yeah. You just in remember that. Remember this feeling. Exactly. Take it to the next time you play. And then I bit my words, the next time we played him, this kid played out of his mind. You know what I mean? But I'm not gonna stop coaching that way because I also believe that we have to coach not just our kids, but all the kids this way. Exactly. You you you, you I don't know, that's just how I am. Like, you know, my, my players will tell me like, oh hey, he's on the other team. Why are you talking to him like that? I'm like, because I'm not just coaching you guys, but I'm here to coach anyone who's willing to listen. Exactly. That's our job is not just to coach our kids, but hey, we're all under the West Mesa banner. Yep. We got to, you know, I want them to be good. Hopefully, I hope to be an all-star coach one day and these guys are going to be playing for me in the all-stars. You exactly. know? So kind of, you know, things like that. But Well, it, it, the fatherhood ex- example, the father, fatherhood experience is a very important one and very, and it's one that we've, we're talking about changing the blueprint, changing the idea of fathering. And it's those little moments that we, a starts with our own experience with our kids. If we can't be with our, because you don't be a good coach and a good father to everyone else besides your kid. Exactly. No. So, right. that, so the, and that happens a lot too. You, we have to be across the board. Sure, we push our own sons because we know our sons. We know their abilities. We know what they're capable of. A little bit harder, but we still have to be across the board like the same leader to every single one because we're going to teach them to be such. Because when we when it comes down to it, as a dad of two boys, you're a dad of two boys. We we expect our kids to be the greatest, this the, the best dad. But it starts with us. Mm. And so, dads out there, make sure that you're the one out there. Mike Camden. Yeah, we can push him too hard too. Yeah, and we can scare him away from sports because exactly. it's hard to be our own. And and so you have to find that balance. You have to know when, like, Dad, I, I'm tired. Okay, let's let's go watch. Let's go watch yeah. something. Or let's go do. You, so you have to. You know your kids. Pretty well, you know their mindsets, their bodies, or et cetera. When it comes to anything with our kiddos, with sports, like Camden, he's a he blows. Uh, if you see his drawings, he's an amazing artist. I can draw to save my life. I could do the little Superman s that you used to do back yeah, in yeah. school. But he's like, Dad, let's draw airplanes. I go, I, I don't know how to draw an airplane. He's like, I was like, Well, then, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, I was like, You know what? It's can, easy. Can, can you? And I asked, Can you teach me how to yeah. draw an airplane? So yeah, so you do this, and he's. Why would you love that? Yeah. Oh, and it's it shows that like if you are interested in your kids, what your kids are interested in, if it's sports, if it's whatever, if you show an interest, then they're gonna just oh, that's gonna be that again, another core memory, that core moment of like my dad. If you're the dad on the sidelines, like, yeah, whatever, I don't care if you're catching a ball, like whatever. That poor kid, thank God you were there to step up to show it to show him how to catch and 
and now he now he's proud to catch a ball. That right there is like, do not be that dad. Yeah. And, and life lessons too, man. Like one of the things that are different between Alyssa and I, because we coach together, and she she always gets on me about this, but she she doesn't understand. I will give the other team every excuse, or, or I will give them everything they want, anything they want, because of two reasons. I don't want no excuses. Yeah. And I tell my team that. I tell my boys that. I say, hey, they're like, well, why are we doing it? Don't give them every reason. No excuses. If we lose, there's a life lesson there that life is going to be unfair. Yep. Things are going to happen. But what are you going to do? Things are going to be stack up against you. What are you going to do when that happens? Exactly. Let's learn for that move forward. And if we win, there, you guys go to school with these kids. They cannot go to school the next day with a straight face and say, oh, well, uh, they have zero excuses. They have zero excuses. So I'm a big, Alyssa, Alyssa's like, one player was like, hey, can we start, the game's at 12, but can we start like at 1240 because we have a kid at baseball? Sure. It's their best player. So we started late and Alyssa was pissed. She's like, uh-uh. I was like, no, no, no. Every excuse, give it to them. Give it to them. Let them have their best player. I don't want to play them without their best player anyway. Let them have their best player. Yeah. And we ended up beating them like 9-2. And then I looked at Alyssa and I was like, and I was like, they have no excuses, boys. They have zero excuses. And they came over with zero excuses, nothing, because they knew like, dang, they gave us every opportunity to win. And we still didn't do it. It's exactly. on us. So that that's a, another way I coach is if you lose, there's a lesson to be taught there about life, right? Because they, but even parents are like, what are we doing? Why are you allowing them to do that? That's cheating. Or like, I'm a big basketball guy. So if there's a call at first, I think he's safe and they call him out and they're there. I'm like, all right, you take that one. I'll get the next one. Yeah. You know, even though I know he's safe, you take that one. I'll get the next one. Exactly. And then I'll go to my boys and I'm like, look, we can't leave it up that close. You were safe, but it's all right. Sometimes it happens like that. There's going to be umpires that don't see it. So you got to understand, don't. Be upset about it or anything. Don't get mad. Just know that that's going to happen sometime. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do the next time? And so, the, uh, again, it's always a coaching lesson, and that's my philosophy is I don't, regardless of the situation, regardless of how people want to cheat or anything like that, because I'm not a cheater, I will never cheat. So if they want to do all those things, let them. Exactly. I don't care. Let them because it, it'll be that much better when we win, and there'll be a lot of lessons to be taught if we lose. Exactly. So that's kind of like how I, I like to coach. And them. I love that. And, and Alex, thank you so very much of course, man. for coming on. and. If you guys want to hear more with Alex's wonderful knowledge of uh, everything, he has his own podcast called Cultural Punch Podcast. It's on every platform out there. Um, so Cultural Punch Podcast, I was a been a guest a few times. But you're, you're like you're like a, an honorary host. Honorary. I'd look at you as an honorary mm-hmm. because we, we've done the most episodes. With you. And, and I love doing episodes. We have good to, chemistry. Yeah, we have to uh, get the football season's about to start here. Shoot. Thursday, first preseason game. Are you kidding me? This Thursday, thank God. I tell you, folks, I go seven days a week. So the people who are, I'm, I'm going to push this on my platform so they come listen to you, right? So the people who follow the Culture Punch podcast, so you guys understand why I don't record as much as I do. I'm busy, man. Like you guys understand, seven yeah. days a week. Yeah. Kids come first. I've lived my life. I've done what I need to do. Like I told this to my to my wife. I said, my boys retired me. Cause I was playing soccer league on Sundays. I was doing co-ed and, and men. So I was playing like four and a half hours back to back. Yeah. And they retired me. They're like, how so? Did you get hurt? No. They come before I do. I've lived my life. Now it's time to give them those exactly. memories. Exactly. And they want to play in all these teams and whatever. And if I have the means to do it, we're going to do it. If that means me sacrificing my sports, I've played them. It's, fine. it's past my time. They retired me. We're not I'm okay with it. You know? The pros aren't looking at us anymore. Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, you know, I love my boys that much to sacrifice anything for, anything for them. So That's all I've ever wanted was kids. Every How to Father podcast, the guests, and we always end with a dad joke. Okay. Do you have a dad joke? I do. I actually have two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the one that's baseball related. Okay. Since I'm a baseball coach. Okay, ready? Uh, um, so I kept I kept wondering why the ball was getting bigger and bigger. Okay. And then it hit me. 
<laughs> and, and I have a sports one. We'll 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 move on baseball. Why was Cinderella? Well, see, like I see, be more softball. Why was Cinderella a horrible softball player? Oh, I don't know. Because her coach was a pumpkin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Dang, I thought I had something with the glass. <laughs> I was like trying to think of it. <laughs> but well, thank you guys all for listening. Um, this is episode seven of How to Father. Of course, the amateurness of being a dad. Thank you, Alex, for it's joining us. Honored to be here, man. Thank Follow, you. subscribe his podcast, Culture Punch. Culture uh, podcast. Culture Punch podcast. Oh, can I give a shout out to the uh, uh, Culture Punch Studios on YouTube? You guys go check that out too, because I also do YouTube. Uh, videos i do a lot of uh, uh unboxings and i'll also do some tutorials on lighting and things like that i love audio so if you i do a lot of comparisons with different audio gear and microphones and things like that so if you're into uh, if you're looking to get into podcasting or you're looking to get into videos and things of that nature follow the culture punch studios because i do uh, explain a lot of knowledge there and i answer all my comments so make sure you go follow on that as well yes yes shoot them a follow again alex thank you so very much again thank you everyone for listening Next week, we have a wonderful guest, my buddy Cody. We're going to talk about the importance of black, black fatherhood and especially in this day and age and the statistics that back it. So, Alex, thank you. And I hope to talk to you soon on it. Of course, man. Thank you. Thank you.